um, burgundy. and culture this is gordon and this is clint thanks for joining us guys yeah dude i literally don't think i've seen you other than like briefly at that meeting the other day for like almost a month it's accurate yeah yeah so what's life like really busy but like i hate using that is there like a better descriptive word when you're like doing a lot of things but it's not like burdensome because busy just has this negative like connotation. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm doing uh, a lot. Active? Yes. I think active is good. It's been very active. Okay. That's a yeah. great word. So I just keep saying that to people and I'm like, but it's been good. Like it's been good. Right. Yeah. Now that we're back at our church, I think I mentioned this with Steve, we're able to do more with the teens. And so like our summer, I think usually it's sort of like a wind down. Not really for a lot because there's like conferences and camps and stuff, but... We're also on top of that doing like quadruple what we usually do right? or are used to doing because we can. And that's been fun. And then, you know, we have a summer camp coming up this, when this comes out. This Monday. No, oh. after this comes out, we will oh. be coming back. But yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. this Monday from when we're recording. Yeah. And I've been the past two or three days just like finalizing all of that stuff, which has been really fun and right. coming together and uh there's been a lot of chaos with that on, on both sides. So, for, I've been outside of the chaos. For yeah. Me, it's just been like <laughs> shopping, shopping, shopping. Yeah, you get to do the fun gamey stuff. But for those of you who don't live in this area, our deanery, the deanery is like a collection of local churches basically, works together to create a summer camp every year. And up until this year, it's only been for high schoolers. And myself and a few other youth ministers came together to create another version for junior high. And we together have over 500 youth and adult volunteers that are going to be coming together for this camp. And it's absolutely huge. We spend literally the entire year planning and prepping for this. And yeah, we're finally there. So if you could retroactively send some prayers our way, (laughs) that'd be much appreciated. Fortunately, God works outside of time. So even if you pray when this comes out, the graces are still valid. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. So we'd appreciate that. Confusing. It's kind of crazy, right? Yeah. I never thought about that. Yeah. (laughs) It's pretty sweet though. But you also have like that D and D group that you've been doing. Is that still, that's still going over the summer, right? With your, yes. I'm still just thinking like any graces I'm getting today are from someone that's praying tomorrow. Isn't that crazy though? Yeah. Yeah. So like there could literally be saints in heaven right now who like are like walking the earth. Oh, hold on. If they die tomorrow and they pray for me outside of time, wouldn't I get their graces today? Oh, yes. So you would get their graces, but they, they can't both be walking the earth and saints well, simultaneously. They're saints because they died in the future. Yeah. Could I get you, graces? You would get the graces from, from someone. myself in heaven? Uh, you wouldn't need to pray for yourself. But... 
Oh my gosh. You know Someone I mean? who's a theologian, help us out here. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but I don't, I don't think you would because you would already know because you'd have the beatific vision that at that point you wouldn't need the graces. Yeah, but I'm praying for my past self. I don't know. This is kind of trippy. <laughs> yeah. Once you were like, that works. I was like, wow. Whoa. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Anyways. Someone let us know. Someone with a... Like Steve. Steve has a theology degree. <laughs> Come help us out, Steve. Uh, amateur theologian. To answer um, your question, yes, the D&D group <laughs> that I run with teens uh, has been still going, and it's been going great. Cool. Uh, we're up to nine or ten wow. people in the party. That's awesome. Yeah. That's pretty sweet. I feel like that's a lot to manage, though. It is, but it's just long battles. Yeah. And long tangents. But it's been working. Cool. Yeah. I that's fun. As far as what's been going on with me this past month, I have been going from like conference to conference to sitting in the office and prepping for retreats. So I went to CYMC, which is the Life Teen Youth Minister Training Conference mm-hmm. in Phoenix, Arizona, which was awesome. And I got to meet a lot of really cool people, some of which hopefully we'll get to have on the show in the future. Uh, I know a couple of people have said they're interested, so that'll be fun. Got to hang out with uh, Patrick Nevy. He was Patrick there. So that was cool. Crunchy. Yeah. So that was fun. Yeah, a lot of good stuff there. I, I love that conference. Kind of bummed. I don't think I'll get to go next year, but good stuff. And then went straight from there to Steubenville on the bayou, which was pretty cool. That was more for the, the teens than me, but mm-hmm. it was pretty sweet. Yeah. And then basically just spent a lot of like prepping for the, this this retreat expedition. So that's basically, that's life, man. Yeah. It's active. Active. Yeah. Let's try and make that a thing. We're not busy anymore. We're just active. I'm just going to go to the doctor and they're like, have you been active lately? Yes. Yeah, I've so, been active. so active. Uh, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> weird because did you go to the gym no no no, no, not in years i don't work out or run or anything (laughs) what you just said you were active oh yeah so active yeah oh my gosh all right media what have you been taking in i know you've been on more recently than me so you might have a short list yeah i don't really have anything i mentioned in the podcast that came out with danny seckford that i watched uh ralph breaks the internet Oh, yeah. But I never really finished it, and so I finished it. Okay. I never really got like the end because I kept falling asleep. But I enjoyed that one. It was pretty good. It was okay. Yeah. I, I feel like both of those are pretty cheesy. Yeah, they're supposed to be cheesy, though. I know. They're not from me, but like they're not made for a 25-year-old. Yeah, it's, it's not weird enough for but Gordon. It was good. I enjoyed it. And I think that's it. It's all I... Well, you've been active, so, you know. Yeah. Not... Not I think around. if I've seen anything else, done anything else, and I have not. So okay. What about you? I've got a little bit more. Obviously, with like traveling and flying and stuff, there's been a lot of podcasts, but uh, no new ones. But the ones that I'm like really obsessing over right now are Acquisitions Incorporated, the C Team, which is my D and D podcast that I'm loving right now, and the other one is. Gomer's one that he told us about when he was on the show, Every Knee Shall Bow. Mm-hmm. Dude, I am loving that yeah, podcast. Good. Anyone who works in ministry or thinks they work in ministry or is Christian or is not Christian, go check it out. Super awesome stuff. 
on evangelization and, and what that looks like. And they always have pr- practical tips, which is cool. Yeah, there's so much good stuff there. So if you're not listening to it, go listen to it. What are you dealing with your life? Yeah, seriously. Are you active? I don't know. Yeah, so that and then start playing Pokemon Go again. I know I mentioned that a couple weeks ago, but yeah. Have you tried the uh, Harry Potter one? No, I don't know. My I'm sister, try- she's on top of both of those things. So the day it came out, it was like midnight. She unloaded on a group text with all my siblings, me, Lizzie, and just was like, you know, each word was separate text, like Harry Potter's out, sent her code. It's like, tell us, tell me when you get downloaded, send me your code. And I'm Jeez. Like, I'm not going to get it. Yeah. See, I, I don't think the Harry Potter one works as much. Like Pokemon Go, like the whole point of Pokemon is to like go out and, and hunt mm-hmm. and catch, you know? I don't think it fits as well with Harry Potter. Um, That's how I feel, but Lizzie's more of a Harry Potter fan than Pokemon Go fan, so she got it, and she wants to play. Dang, so I'm going to stop getting gifts from Lizzie now. All right, that's fine. And then the other thing that I've really been enjoying is the the Netflix TV show, The Dragon Prince. Mm. So I think it's made for, like, seven-year-olds, like little kids, but it's from the same creators and one of the writers as... Uh, Avatar The Last Airbender and so it's written in a very similar way and actually one of the actors is Sokka from Avatar so that's been phenomenal I've finished the first two seasons and waiting for the next one to come out but very good it's for kids but solid stuff uh, I also think there's probably some stuff in there that we could we could pull out for something in the future too I actually remember I have been taking in more music lately oh cool because I've been working uh, at the office with like Ethan and I'll just play music and so I've been checking out new albums mm-hmm. that have dropped and uh, there's a band that I really enjoy called the Tours. Tours. I probably yeah the Tours. um it's like a Jack White offshoot one of his side projects hmm. that they've come out with a third album and been the, this is the third album but they haven't dropped an album since like 2009 so it's been like 10 years Huh. Um, it's pretty good. I like it a lot. What what kind of music? Like alternative rock. Okay. Yeah. Like with like, well, I don't know about this album as much, but their older stuff has like a, a folky like touch. How do you spell that? R-A-C-O-N-T-E-U-R-S. All right. Well, we'll figure that out later because I can't find it. But yeah, I've definitely never heard of that. What else? Oh, so I, I dropped another blog on the website. I saw that. On the movie Miracle, which I hadn't seen since I was, well, it came out in 2004, so I would have been 10. Yeah, so I went back and watched that as, as part of my kind of prep for, for writing that. Pretty cool movie. It's one of those, like, patriotic, but also, like, underdog story kind of thing. So it was pretty cool. I think uh, the only um, hockey movie I've ever seen is The Mighty Ducks. Mighty Ducks. Classic. Yeah. By the way, I spelled that correctly. You did? Yeah, I think okay. so. I must have missed some letters then. Yeah, yeah, so if you haven't seen that blog yet, go check it out. I think it's pretty good. But, I skimmed you know, over it. I wrote it. it. seemed like a good one. Yeah, it was a shorter one. Yeah. So really easy to read. Uh, you can find it on our social media. Visualizations too. in there, some photos. You can find that also if you haven't seen our website. It's thechristinculture.com. Com. You can find all that stuff there, videos, blogs, all that stuff. But the thing that we're going to be talking about today is 
none of those. We're going to be talking about a a movie. I think you said you've seen all three, right? Oh yes. Great. So the third movie of a trilogy by M Night Shyamalan. Well, hopefully it's a trilogy. You think there's more? Maybe. All right. Well, as of now, it's a trilogy. I would hope not. (laughs) Such a nicely neat package. Yeah, it was pretty good, but. It is called Glass. So the three movies are Unbreakable, which came out in 2000, Split, which came out in 2016, and then this one, Glass, which just came out this year. Originally, Unbreakable, everyone kind of thought it was just going to be a standalone movie until 2016. I still thought it was a standalone movie after Split. Like, But they they showed the last scene. I know, but they didn't tell me... That class was coming out. I was just like, well, that was silly. <laughs> well, I think it's pretty sweet, though, the way they, they tied it all together. No, I loved it. Yeah. So, basically, we'll give you a short synopsis of Unbreakable and Split, the first two movies, and then we'll dive into Glass, because I think that's what really ties it all together. So, there are three main characters that they focus on. So, the first one, Unbreakable, you see Bruce Willis's character... His name is David Dunn, and we find out in that movie that he has kind of this superhuman ability uh, where basically he, it's not that he can't be killed, but he just can't be hurt. Right. So, like, can't break bones. If you punch him, like, it doesn't really hurt, stuff like that. And so he's just, like, not invincible because we find out later that he has this aversion to water. So water's like... He can still drown or suffocate. Right. So yeah. those are his weaknesses, but as far as breaking, he he's unbreakable. Right. Yeah. Hence the the title. I don't think I don't know if he'll burn or anything, but he needs still needs to breathe air. Yeah, and then the other character we get from that movie is kind of becomes his rival. His name is Elijah Price. He calls himself Mister Glass, played by Samuel L. Jackson, and he has the opposite. Yes where he has this health condition where he breaks really easily. If you even just touch him, his, his bones, bones will break. shatter. Yeah, it's a real thing. Yeah. It's crazy. But on the other hand, he's brilliant. Oh, yeah. Like, so, so smart. And I don't think we really understood that, how smart he was, until this movie, Glass, where... I think of, they show up pretty well in Unbreakable. You think but, so? Yeah, I mean, because in this movie, he owns a comic book store. He loves comics, and he loves the story arc of like a hero, yeah, and the villain, and you find out in this in that movie, he caused a train crash. Uh, there's this massive train crash, and you learn in the end that he was the cause of it because mm-hmm. he was looking for Bruce Willis. Well, part of it was he realized because he was so fragile that he wouldn't be the hero, and right. so he wanted to become the villain that drew the hero out. But he also knew that someone of the opposite had to exist. If yeah. he, someone like him existed. And he caused not only that train crash, he caused multiple crashes. He caused planes to crash. He caused tons of things until the train crash where Bruce Willis survived. Mm-hmm. He was the only survivor. And that's when he knew, okay, that guy is the hero. Mm-hmm. I'm his villain. Yeah. And so we see kind of this, this balance in a way. Anything else you want to draw from Unbreakable specifically? I think it's the biggest thing. Those two characters and the fact that 
he caused all those crashes. And yeah. And so, well, I guess the only other thing would be Dunn then becomes like this vigilante where he goes around basically beating the crap out of right. anyone that he deems to be bad that, that are getting away with something because of the flaws in the legal system, essentially. And so he goes around and brings justice or what he considers justice to them. And his son views him as a hero. Yeah. He's like a little boy. Kid from the sixth, sixth sense. Mm-hmm. And so we jump forward to Split, which takes place... I think it's actually supposed to follow the timeline of real life. I think it's 16 years later. Mm-hmm. And we don't see any of the same characters in here. And that's why no one knew that it was a sequel right. until the very last scene where we see David Dunn in the very last scene, kind of connecting these universes together. But basically this one, the the main character is played by James McAvoy and he's called the Horde. And the reason why he's called the Horde is because he has MPD, multiple personality disorder, and he has over 20 different personalities. So we're not going to go through all of them, obviously. And first off, I want to say he does an awesome job of playing those. Like it's unbelievable, especially in glass you see like immediate switch where he plays 10 different characters in the same scene without any hesitation and it's phenomenal yeah so good so we kind of see that and we see that he has captured these girls and brought them into like his lair in the basement of the zoo philadelphia zoo where he's going to basically kill them as an offering for what they call the beast, which is one of his personalities. And the beast is essentially like the superhuman. I, I know in, in glass, there's a phrase where they say that the beast is the highest form of human evolution. Right. And so that's kind of what they believe is that this, this beast is like a God to them in a way. And so all the other personalities are trying to offer these sacrifices to, to the beast. Right. And it only comes out, Rarely. Yeah. Yeah, and so that's basically the entire second movie is kind of that relation. And there's one main, other main character from that. Her name is Casey. Mm -hmm. And she is the only survivor of any of the Beast's murder sprees. Right, she is pretty smart. So she tries to befriend as many of the personalities Mm -hmm. as she can outside of the Beast in order to save her life. Yeah. And when it comes down to it, if I remember right, the beast actually has a chance to kill her mm-hmm. and decides to just leave. Right. Okay. And that, that comes into the third movie as well. So anything else from Split? No. Okay. So those are great movies. I would say don't watch them with your kids, but they're pretty cool. So that brings us into the third movie, Glass. And this takes place a few years after Split and about 19 years after Unbroken. So, Unbreakable. Yeah, yeah. It's Unbroken's okay. the war movie. That's right. <laughs> Unbreakable. So we see Dunn's son, Joseph, is all grown up, and he's kind of helping him track bad guys still. And they have, like, cool technology now. And Dunn goes around every day trying to find the Horde or other vigilantes, but the Horde is clearly the one that he's trying to find the most. And he eventually bumps into him into the horde as Hedwig. So Hedwig, do you want to describe Hedwig? Do you remember which one he is? The nine-year-old? 
he's a nine-year-old. I mean, he's a child. He's the one that really befriends Casey. Mm-hmm. And, like, as a boy has, like... You know, kind of when you have a babysitter and, like, that child, like, has a crush... Yeah, on the on babysitter. That person. For sure. Um, and I'm pretty sure, I think, in Split, they kissed. Yeah. She, she does that to, like, escape or get something. And mm-hmm. so he's, like, we're... I just had a lisp because I was thinking about him. <laughs> yeah, he, he has this lisp and his thing is he always says, etc. Yeah. At the end. And so he thinks that they're like dating and it's really funny because in this movie he's like, I have so much to catch you up on. Like, I like, yeah. I like Nicki Minaj now or, uh, <laughs> yeah. it's like, I used to, no, I like Drake I like now. Drake, yeah. It's like, I used to like Drake and Nicki Minaj, but you can't like both. So I'd like Drake. <laughs> um, he's just a child. He's pretty funny. I think yeah. he's one of my favorite of the personalities. And I think, you know, it's definitely, I don't know the actual, what's the, his actual name? The Hedwig? Oh, Kevin. 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 So Kevin is, I think Hedwig is like Kevin, where this problem started. Yes. Childhood abuse. Mm-hmm. And so that's literally Kevin as a child. Yeah. And he, he's the most common one to be out mm-hmm. because he never really grew up. Right. And that's a big point in Glass too that they say like, you're nine forever. Right. Like, you can't grow up? And he's like, yeah. And, and that's exactly why. He doesn't why. want to. Right. Because he wants to s- stay innocent, like, before mm. all that stuff happened. So, we see Dunn bump into Hedwig. And what happens when Dunn touches people is he sometimes has visions and he sees, like, what they've done wrong. And that's how he knows whether they're, quote-unquote, guilty or, or okay. And so, he sees that by touching Hedwig, he sees kind of these four cheerleaders that had been kidnapped and kind of sees where they are. And from that, he and Joseph are able to work together to figure out exactly where they're keeping these girls captive. And so he goes to this building and frees them. Meanwhile, Hedwig goes to some like homeless area and becomes the beast and starts slaughtering these homeless people. And before Dunn can leave with the, the girls, the beast returns. And they have this epic showdown. And they, they fight. And the Beast realizes, well, he, he like couldn't kill Dunn. Like, they were actually a match for each other. But in the process, Dunn knocks them both out of the window. And when they land, a light flashes. And we see the Beast personality disappears. And another one is forced mm-hmm. to the front, which is Barry, which is kind of like a teenager, 20-year-old, somewhere in there, loves, like, thinks he's super cool kind of thing. And we see that they're surrounded by police and so they're arrested and they're brought to the psych facility where they use these flashing lights to control the horde's MPD and like force out the the, the ones, cal- calmer the ones that are willing to talk yeah yeah the, the personalities that are they're easier and then they put Dunn in a separate place where there's high powered water guns which basically control him from escaping because that's his weakness so they're both in prison by this psychiatrist. Her name is Dr. Ellie. And she says that she specializes in people who think that they are superheroes. And that's kind of where we have this. And Glass is there too. Yeah. 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 Um, so we have all three of them kind of imp- imprisoned here. Because I, they, I think they imprisoned Glass at the end of the first one. Yes. So he's been in prison for like 19 years. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And you see that too. Like he definitely looks like he's been stuck there for a long time. And we don't really see much from him at this point because he's pretty heavily sedated, or mm-hmm. at least well, they think yeah. he is. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But then we have a flash over to Casey, 
the girl from Split. And she's in high school, and she gets, like, pulled to the principal's office. The principal tells her, the horde has been captured. Like, you're safe. And she wants to go talk to them. And so she does. So she goes to the facility, and Dr. Ellie brings Casey to see the horde, which I think is kind of crazy. You know, she's, like, 16, but, you know, whatever. And she talks to Hedwig, and then to Dennis, and couple different ones and this is kind of the conversation where you're just talking about like i have so much to catch you up on and then kevin takes the light and that's what that's what they call it when one of the personalities comes to the forefront and is in control taking the light i think that's kind of important too Mm -hmm. to take the light uh we can talk about that more later but when kevin comes into control he he doesn't really like being in the light it's kind of like his self-defense mechanism is not being in control. And Casey says to him, what he did to me was wrong. Talking about her uncle. She says that she put him in jail. Just like what your mother did to you was wrong. And so we see this, this relationship kind of transforming even more. And as she's trying to leave, Dr. Ellie says, Casey, I need you. The power of true, loving, physical affection is something supernatural. It's the lack of it that caused this, and only the true version of it can heal it. What do you think about that? I, well, I agree. But also, I think it plays into what you were just saying about, like, the light being the personality that you're looking at. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, I've known people and friends and different people in my life that I've encountered that deal with this with things the same way almost Kevin does. I actually had one friend who a lot of trauma from their past life they said like they called it the box. They're like I have it in a box and it was like in their head and they're like compartmentalizing. I, like and I never opened that box. Mm-hmm. But the thing about the light and you know you know we talk about in scripture like God is the light, the light of Christ and all that stuff. When something's in the light when like we really only technically only have one personality or one person. Uh, we can wear masks, but when we're present with someone, like we're in this light, we're present to them. Mm-hmm. So when something's, I guess the opposite of light would be darkness. When something's away, when Kevin's hiding, he's not, um, he's not facing the problems. So it's great because he's not feeling these things, but nothing like it could, he could live the rest of his life and nothing is worked through. Mm-hmm. And so when he does come to light, he, he still feels these things. He's still scared. And um, what, brings them, what brings him out is her, who is this person who wants to just like, be present. And she's, being her, she's in her light and right. actually giving him the, the love of Christ, bringing him present. And then it hurts because he has to be vulnerable and talk about these things, but it will actually like but she, heal him. But they recognize like that's where the healing comes from. Right. I love that you drew the connection between the like being in the light and the love because we talk about this all the time but like god is love right right and if that's true and christ is the light right we see this connection where exactly what you're saying where we are drawn out by god and in doing so we become more like him right and i think the the term light gets confusing because we have electricity and so like light now is usually like fluorescent bulbs or something but if you think about natural light like the sun, it's mm-hmm. warm and it's hot. Yeah. And so like 
like love is also warmth and like it's it's better than mm. like that bitter cold and like darkness yeah yeah so i think that's a good a good scene to kind of set things off so right after that glass somehow escapes his room and they think that he stole some meds but nothing really seems out of the ordinary and this is where we start to see like all right he's he's he faking a, this whole thing he has a plan yeah and he has a plan yeah so eventually dr ellie brings the three of them together for an evaluation and there's a lot of dialogue here, and I think the dialogue is where a lot of the best mm. stuff comes from. So I think we're going to break down some of that. So she starts by saying, I understand that the three of you think that you are superhuman, that you don't think you are normal. You're, you have convinced yourselves that you have extraordinary gifts like something out of a comic book. I'm here to discuss the possibility that you are mistaken. And then she starts with the Horde and... They forced Kevin to the light with the, with the flashing light bulbs. And so Kevin comes to the light and he doesn't like it. He feels uncomfortable and it forces him to confront that pain that we were just talking about. And she explains exactly what you said. Is it possible that this is all just because of your abusive mother and this is all just in your head and you think that you're more powerful than you are? And he's like, what about the times I was shot by a shotgun and it didn't hurt? And like, uh maybe she starts using all these scientific things to like disprove it basically. Right. And then she goes to Dunn and she's like, is there a moment of weakness that made you entertain the possibility of being super strong? And we see in his mind, he flashes back to a time when he almost drowned as a kid. Mm -hmm. And that's where we see like his aversion to water. Right. And so he's starting to think, Oh, well maybe, but he's not saying it out loud. And so they're starting to doubt in a way. Some of the personalities are starting to doubt. And, we see she's using science to try and convince them that they are not as powerful as they think. I wouldn't even say it's science. It's she, like pseudoscience. It's what she's saying is I science. Know. Right. Right. Because she is like... I she's think, got a silver tongue, as they would say. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I don't know if we want to talk about this now. We can. Like why it, why she's, not? She's basically like playing the role of Satan... Yeah. And like downplaying their gifts. She is. And, and, and talents. We find out, spoiler alert, this is a big spoiler. It's fine. Later on in the movie, we find out she knows all of this is true. Right. She's 100% knows this is true. But she, and they, it's her job to convince them that it's not. Right. It's like she's like crowd, crowd control. Yeah. Yeah. So she is, she's definitely the Satan figure. Where right. she's filling their heads with lies. And I think this is something that we're kind of playing on now. And I'm sure I haven't listened to the episode that came out today yet, but I'm sure you probably talked about it a little bit how science is being used almost to try and disprove faith. And I think a lot of that does come down to like Satan trying to like fill her head with these lies. Yeah. So I don't know, just, just kind of thoughts on, on that scene altogether. Well, so yeah, we're just, we'll just have to, the irony to that is what we already touched on would being their quote to Casey and like, we need you because the only thing that's going to fix this is true love and affection. Mm -hmm. Right. And so she's trying to combat this with lies. And in the end we can see it doesn't work. Yeah. Like everything fails and it's because like that doesn't work. Right. But it does get to them. No, it works short term, short term. Yeah. And, but it doesn't ultimately, it only like prevents things just like, Staying in the darkness, which is the opposite of light, so that would also be yeah. like outside of Christ, doesn't heal anything. It just temporarily allows you not to feel anything. Right, yeah. 
And I think the way that she poses these questions to lead into the doubts is is very... It's almost like screw tape letters esque. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not like she's giving them like answers, but she's allow she's making them try to answer it themselves. Yeah, and she's giving these like the minimal evidence necessary to right. lead, lead to doubt. Right, and that's exactly how we see Satan working in our own lives. And I also think these are the conversations that people are having when they like. This is how arguments go nowadays. I think. You know, like when, when people are like try to disprove God or religion or disprove this or that, like we we try to like convince people that way or vice versa, or they try to convince mm-hmm. people that way. And it's never like, like you can explain anything with both solutions. With minimal evidence, you can right. explain whatever you want. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's the straw man. Exactly. Right. So if you, if you are familiar with philosophy or arguing at all the straw man fallacy is basically you take the minimal evidence from your opposing position and you just defeat this weaker version of it Mm -hmm. and then what uh, matt frad is now dubbing this the steel man is the opposite of like what thomas aquinas did where you take your opponent's arguments and you give the best version of it and then you defeat that and that is good arguing right right but that's not how satan works right because he doesn't need to right and obviously like you said that's something that we're doing now too i think it's because of like social media and the access to like your voice being anywhere thousands of voices being heard like everyone's has their opinion right and a way to convince people of that opinion and i mean we have the political debate the democratic Mm -hmm. debates right now and that's any political debate is basically that same thing yeah because they have to say they believe this this and this because we have parties right and they need votes and as long as they're like well this is what i have to believe then they can argue to that belief yeah new tooth and nail whatever yeah and so throughout this entire scene glass doesn't say a word nope and that's because he's still acting like he is all drugged up even though she does the same thing to him yeah she yeah. just talked to him and try to convince him mm-hmm. and he just doesn't say anything right after this we cut to dunn's son joseph and he starts to wonder if his dad is really a superhero or if he was just confused all along like a little boy looking up to his dad because he spoke to Dr. Ellie and she did the same thing to him where she kind of gave this this half argument. And so he goes to the comic book store and decides to look up Kevin's parents after he goes to the comic store looking through all these articles and then he sees something on an origin store and he's like, oh, we should go and find Kevin's origin store. And so he does. And he looks it up and then he comes to... Kevin's father and for some reason he's taken aback we don't know why at this point but then we cut over to glass and the guard one of the guards threatens glass because he thinks he's sneaking around but he can't prove it and he can't make him do anything or give up so he just leaves (laughs) while they are switching guards that night glass actually sneaks out and he reads the files for all of the other or the other two patients and then he too is thrown off by Kevin's father for some reason. And again, we can't tell why yet. So then he goes to visit the horde and he talks to Patricia. Do you want to describe Patricia really quick? The British lady? Yeah, Patricia is one of the personalities. And essentially, it's Kevin's take on mothers. Because mm. she's the bossy, prudish type. Yeah. Um, who almost is like the council person for the horde. 
Yeah. It seems like, like she knows everyone and she kind of like lays down the ground rules for how things work, what they can say, what they can't say. Like it, like what's the kid's name? Hedwig. Hedwig is always afraid of like, oh, I can't say that because Patricia Mm -hmm. doesn't want us to. Yeah. Or I'll get in trouble. Um, And he's gotten in trouble with Patricia before. Yeah. And usually when, when they get in trouble, they can't come to the light. But she is like the spokesperson. Right. Because of all of that. Right. And so that's who Glass goes to talk to. And he explains to her that he has been using sleight of hand to swap the drugs and faking the entire thing. Basically what we've been expecting for the last several scenes. And then he says, I believe that comic books are a continuation of documentation that has gone on for centuries of what humans are capable of. That they are what someone somewhere saw or felt. Are you aware that spandex underwear on the outside and boots come from strongman circus in the 1930s? The freak show man that could do incredible feats of strength. I urge you to look past the monologuing villains in capes. And so I think he's almost doing what we do here, Mm -hmm. but on a kind of twisted version Mm -hmm. of it. Mm -hmm. And he's saying that the reason that we love superheroes is because it reveals something within ourselves. And he's looking more at like, it shows something that we already know in history. Right. Less so than it's showing something of a divine revelation through us. Right. So I think that's the the difference between the way that we're looking at it. But I think it's, there's some similarities there. So he's revealing like a, a, a a truth. Like there is the reason we love comic books is because there's a truth to that exists. Yeah. But it's a rare truth. Right. That's why it's so exciting. Yeah. Whereas we would argue that it's more of a reality in each of us. Right. A different kind of truth. Yeah, exactly. So basically, he thinks that the beast is part of one of these legends. And then he goes on to say, Everything extraordinary can be explained away. And yet, it is true. I think deep down you know this. Everything we will do will have a basis in science. But this is the real world. And yet some of us don't die from bullets. Some of us can still bend steel. And that is not a fantasy. So thoughts on on kind of that scene or even just that last quote. I mean, I think the hard thing is that like as a viewer, you want to agree with Glass. Yeah, I think that's kind of the beauty of this movie. But he's also doing the same thing she was doing. Mhm. Or like he is he's talking about the so that's the other thing if you're talking about screw tape letters and how Satan can work. Satan doesn't always have to use lies because Glass is giving him truths, but he's doing it for his own intention, personal intention, his own purpose, mm-hmm. rather than, you know, what we, what, what we say love is, you know, wanting the, the best for the other. Willing the good of the other. Willing, yeah. willing the good of the other. And he's not doing that here. Mm-hmm. But it, he makes it seem like he is. Yeah. I think this also draws back to our science and faith question where he says everything can be explained away and yet it is still true. Right. Right. And so he's, he's giving this, this truth that we, we would agree with that just because science can explain something doesn't mean that it, there's nothing supernatural about it. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I think that's a big part of it. And then he says like, even beyond like this, this natural world, like everything she said is, 
uh, in her opinion, like strictly scientific, right? Very uh, regulated and trying to pr- prove away everything, every one of their abilities. And then he says, and yet for some reason you can still bend steel and bullets don't affect you. And that's beyond like this natural scientific explanation. Right. And so he's saying, yeah, like there's something supernatural working with this, this scientific, uh, like natural, like natural and supernatural together. But also this is something a little bit more. And I, I think that's a big part of it too. Okay, so he goes back to his room, and the next morning they use a sedative on glass because they saw the video feed, and they think that he tricked them to escape, which he did. Um, And so they use this procedure on his brain with a laser. And later that night, the guard comes in to check on him and sits down in front of him and is kind of like, not really tormenting him, but kind of at the same time. And... Glass slits his throat with a piece of, like a shard of glass. With glass. Yeah, that he had been holding on to and hiding. And then there's a flashback to show Glass the night before when he snuck around and went to talk to the Horde. He actually broke that surgical laser so that it wouldn't actually hurt him. And then he went and edited the video footage so that it would show only what he wanted it to show. Right. And then he breaks out the Horde and meets the Beast and tells him that in order to get the Horde and the world to believe that the Beast exists and that it's real, he needs to fight Dunn, who is the only person who's ever been able to match the Beast in a public place. And so he says on top of the tallest building in Philadelphia, and then they'll put it on the news because it was supposed to open that building that day. And then turns off all the security for Dunn's room and tells him that all he needs to do to escape the last metal door to prove himself that his powers are real, right? So he just, a normal human would not be able to get through this door. But he's saying, Dunn, you're not a normal human being. You can get through. And then they leave and they go off through these tunnels to to leave. So I was just thinking about that last scene that you were talking about with Mm -hmm. Glass explaining like the supernatural within him. And it kind of made me think of like how when you know either someone converts into christianity or just someone that already is you know like when think about us and like something tragic happens and you know someone from the outside or even someone that doesn't isn't some tragic, something doesn't happen but when everyone's like why are you so happy hmm. you know like like there's something different about you like how can you handle this how can, like and you know psychology or science could explain like you should you know you can you should be happy but not as happy as you are or not as often as you are and you're like well i've experienced christ and i have like this thing and like you know usually when you hang out with friends that aren't necessarily christian i don't know if you've ever had that experience or like why like there's something different like what is it that you have that i don't have and you're like well come find out that, that was a big part of my own conversion actually right and I, I i like to call this the difference between happiness and joy so i think what you're describing i would call joy okay and maybe this is not the right definition but this is how i kind of distinguish it because i think the joy goes beyond just like a smiley face mm-hmm. and it's something that kind of radiates right whereas happiness is more like a, a fleeting emotion and, and a smile. But yeah, that was a huge part of my own conversion. It was like yeah. re- recognizing these are the people with joy. What do they all have in common? They're all active 
practicing like holy people. Yeah, and I think that's something that like Glass explained to him is like something more. Mm-hmm. It's not just like you said. It's not just happiness and not something. It, and it's something that could be explained away, but it's just it's also this other thing that's more. And it's something that I think we all have, or at least should strive to have if you don't yeah. know what that is. Yeah. One, one last thing I want to say from, from that kind of exchange with Glass and, and the Beast is Glass tells the Beast, you're fighting for the broken now. You have found your purpose. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of how he convinces the Beast to really be on his side. And he kind of paints him as, as this hero that's, that's fighting for the broken and that is what they call themselves. The Beast and Glass start referring to themselves for the rest of the movie as the Broken. I wonder, well, first off, I think it's ironic that Dunn, his movie, is unbreakable. Right. Because he, he's not one of the Broken. Right. And the Broken are these who have been tormented and twisted. And in a lot of way, I think each of us is included in that. Mm-hmm. But I also think that Dunn being unbreakable is not just about his bones or about the way that he was raised because later on in, in the next couple of scenes we see like even when he has the chance to like see the beast turn on glass he defends glass right even after 20 years of glass being his like enemy and glass even goes on to say he starts laughing and he says it's the classic turn the hero's unflinching sense of good, right? And I think that's what it means by like being unbreakable. Unbreakable, right? Like we're all broken because of original sin, right? But we we choose and strive to be what we're created to be, yeah. Which is unbreakable, right? And so I think in a way we see done as a kind of a Christ figure, like not a perfect representation for sure, but in that way, he's like he's unbreakable, right? So and he's the one who's actually fighting for the for the broken, even though Glass has been telling the Beast that he he was. And so basically, during this time, we see Casey, Doctor Ellie, Glass's mom, and Joseph all arrive. And so we have all seven. Everybody of them. from every movie. Ever. Yeah, yeah. The entire cast, our main like seven characters, are all there, right outside the psych facility, in kind of this ultimate showdown, and battle ensues and during that joseph tells the horde that the reason his dad never came home and this is part of the reason why he kind of split into this split into this uh, multiple personality disorder was because his dad never came home after his abusive mother was abusing him and the reason why was because he actually died on the train that glass intentionally crashed to reveal dunn's power right this is what joseph and glass saw that we didn't realize earlier right. on. And so he realizes that glass is the reason why all these multiple personalities exist and the reason for all of Kevin's suffering. And so the beast even says, I thank you for, for creating me, but my job is to protect Kevin. Right. So and I glass is when he sees it, he got excited because he realized he not only created the ultimate hero, but he created the ultimate villain. The ultimate villain. Yeah, exactly. He's this puppet master. And he even says that too. He's like, I have, he's the one who creates heroes is what he says. And so as we see this kind of turn where they're fighting each other and then this is where Dunn steps up to save him, 
Casey comes to the beast and hugs the beast. And in doing so, forces Kevin to the light. And she shows him that he can control the light and be with her. And just as she does that, and Kevin kind of like embraces the light, he's shot by a sniper. And he starts to bleed out. And right as that's happening, the, the police grab Dunn and they drown him in a puddle of water. And as all three of them die, there's this kind of, it's just an awesome scene where we see, first off, all of the personalities for Kevin start rotating through. And we see him acting out every single one of them, right. which is phenomenal. And they're each trying to fight for control in these last moments of his life. And so Kevin eventually takes control and says to Casey, they're all so scared. But I told them, I'm going to hold the light now. Are you really my friend? And she says, yes. And he responds, then I'm going to hold the light to the end, till the very end. It's not so bad being in the light. And as soon as I heard this line, I thought of John 3, verses 20 to 21. It says, For everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light, so that his works may not be exposed. But he who practices the truth comes to the light, so that his deeds may be manifested as having been done in God. So what are your thoughts on that? I think you said it. Well, one, it goes back to the first thing we talked about, of like, you know, true, loving, physical affection being the healer and so like yeah she was able to do that even in beast mode but that when when it comes to in the end or at least the end on earth you know we know there's like i guess judgment or you know like Mm -hmm. there and that comes to that and so in that moment when he's fading that's when ever all the other personalities who've done bad are scared. They're scared of death, which only evil would be scared of death because de- we know death is in the end in Christ. And he's the one who's like, don't be afraid. Like, I'll hold on to the light. I've got this. And I know it's safe here because I have someone with me, mm-hmm. which kind of speaks into that, that scripture verse too. For sure. This is where Dr. Ellie reveals that she works for the secret organization and everything that we kind of talked about before, where it's her job to she knows that they're right and she acknowledges that they're right. And there's one point where she says they're, we step in because there just can't be gods among us. It's not fair. Right. And that's why, why she does what she does. And so she recognizes that there's something supernatural here. And so right after that, all three of them die. They erase all of the camera footage and explain it away as just side effects from medical drugs that basically caused all this. And then she finds out that glass never intended to make it beyond the building premises he programmed the computers to live stream everything to a hidden website for the entire world to see and he knew that she had set up hundreds of cameras so everything would be captured and so he intentionally chose a route to escape the building where everything would be caught on multiple cameras Ooh, power just flashed yep dang all right and when the video is first sent to joseph casey and glass's mother Only those three. And so this is what he says. I think it's really good. There are unknown forces that don't want us to know what we are truly capable of. 
They don't want us to know the things we suspect are extraordinary about ourselves are real. I believe that if everyone sees what just a few people become when they wholly embrace their gifts, others will awaken. Belief in oneself is contagious. We give each other permission to be superheroes. We will never awaken otherwise. Whoever these people are that don't want us to know the truth, today, they lose. What are your thoughts? It goes back to when we first mentioned like that she worked for that person and she was like almost like this prince of lies. Yeah. Princess of lies. Yeah, the secret organization would be Satan. And, you know, that's the beauty. We've talked about this in the guest episode about comics and all this stuff. Like mm-hmm. the thing about comics and faith and religion is that superpowers, you know, even in the ordinary people are, are gifts and our talents and the, and the capability of receiving those from Christ, but also building them up and using them to do good. And there's this other force and this, these, these, you know, when we pray this prayer of St. Michael, the, the demons that prowl about the world seeking the ruin of souls, it's this secret task force that's trying to, thinks it's unfair, mm. right? And wants to squash all of those, all that power and all those gifts and make them seem like they're, they're, they don't exist. Yeah. And it's, it's ongoing battle. I, I think the only other thing I'd want to add to that is I love that he talks about how these people who are lying and trying to get us to not realize how extraordinary we are, they try to squash our gifts. Right. right. And they say, you're not as good as you think you are. You're not really that great. You're right. just average. You're just normal. Oh, cool. You can bend metal, but anyone can do anyone that. Anyone can do that. Yeah. She even says like, oh yeah, I went and bent the same metal afterwards. And you saw his face like change. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that happens a lot. And I think we do that to ourselves. Right. And I don't think that's always, I don't think that's always spiritual attack, but a lot of the times it is. Right. I think sometimes we say, we tell ourselves that because we don't want to believe that we're great. Because we don't like the light. We don't when, like the light. When, when we're great and we have to use that greatness, there's going to be eyes on us. Yeah. And the number one fear in the world, this is, I don't know if it's still a statistic, but it was like 10 years ago, is public speaking. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Interesting. We hate the light yeah. when it comes to that. that, that. And that's the, that's the irony of it. Yeah, yeah. And so I think a big part of that is like recognizing your gifts are good. That's why they're given to you, right? And so is the light. And so is the light. And so, yeah, I have a few other things before we go into our challenge. But I think like just recognize your gifts, guys, and, and use them. I mean, we look at 1 Corinthians and it says for like when we suffer, the whole body suffers. But when we are celebrated and when we do something good, the whole church celebrates with you because of it. And we're all built up because of that. So use your gifts, know what they are. The last couple of things I want to say before we wrap up here is throughout all three movies, and it doesn't really become noticeable until this movie, they each have colors that are assigned to each character. And so Dunn, they call him like the green something. Yeah. Because he wears a green poncho. poncho. That's his like super suit. And so I looked it up. The rest of the stuff I want to talk about is like all... Based on colors. It's like green, like, yellow, and... So it's green, like a mustard yellow, and then purple. purple. 
Right. Yeah. So green is the color of life. And so it shows life giving properties. This is all stuff that comes from M night Shyamalan for the rest of what I'm talking about. So it shows life giving, which makes sense if he is our, our Christ figure. Right. The, the mustard color for the beast is supposed to be like a Buddhist monk's robes, like that kind of color. And that's because Shyamalan saw the beast as kind of like this prophet of the broken, the one who speaks for the broken, which is in kind of a twisted way. But I love that we see that kind of redemption of Kevin at the end. Right. And that speaks to, like like we said earlier, we're, we're broken and... I mean, we even see that in comic books where like a villain ends up actually becoming part of the Avengers or like becomes a superhero and that like they can like they can use like Kevin does have I mean, uh, the Beast does have gifts that could be used as a hero and in a good way. Mm-hmm. But and he could fight for the broken in the right way. Yeah. But choosing them for the wrong way is, is makes you a villain. Exactly. Right. And the last one is glass who's purple. Purple is the color of royalty because he thought he was the main character of this comic story and that he was the most important and is kind of like almost a prideful thing where he, right. he's the self-proclaimed would king exist without him. He so, was the creator. Exactly. Yeah. And then the last thing I want to bring up is kind of some psychology that M night Shyamalan talked about. So in unbreakable, it followed a man whose modest image of himself. This is a quote followed a man whose modest image of himself had blinded him to his true power. Split explored the power of a monster created by a traumatized mind. Glass is interested in the very essence of identity by asking a question. Are we objectively what we are, or rather, a physical result of what our minds shape and determine? Are you a superhero if you think you are? So let's talk about that, and then we can kind of wrap things up. Yeah. I mean, that's tricky. Yeah. I I think there's some truth to it. Like everything Glass says, I think there's some truth to it. But I think also it misses the mark a little bit. Well, because yeah. Because we're not super just because... We like, think I yeah. identify myself as super. Exactly. That's where the problem comes to. Yeah. We can't just be like, well, I think I'm... One elephant. So I'm an elephant. Yeah. But I think we are each super in a way, right? Right. Because of the gifts that we were talking about before. But that doesn't come from our own, like, mental determination. That comes from a divine source that created us. But our minds and our thoughts do play into that. So, like we were talking about earlier, we can affect our gifts by telling ourselves we're not worth worthy or they're not that great and the, the opposite is true if we be like no this is awesome i should use this then it doesn't power yeah that grip. but it's 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 like uh it's more of embracing what's already there right they are tools i forgot what that's called when like like levers or like things that are you know like like a wheel or like a, a, a wedge those are we you could learn those in like elementary school those are used as like certain tools to like help things you know what I'm talking about? I failed elementary school, apparently. Anyways, it's like a, like, a, like a wedge or like yeah. a lever. You okay. know, like levers, wedges, yeah. ramps. Those I know like, all these things. I just don't 
It's like they're classified as one thing. I just can't think of what it's called. Okay. I'm sure someone will comment on Facebook later. If anyone knows, if you're an elementary school teacher or something, help us out. Anyways, it, it's uh, additive to help these gifts, but we don't get them just by thinking it up. Right. Yeah. All right. So with that, let's go ahead and do challenge real quick. I actually have two, and I'm going to let you guys choose one or the other. I've been doing so, that a lot lately. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Cool. So the first one is to actually go read the book by C.S. Lewis. Oh, my gosh. I'm blanking on it. We, screw tape letters? Screw tape letters. We were just talking about it. Uh, yeah. Go, go read screw tape letters. It talks a lot about this spiritual attack and different stuff that we've, we've been talking about here, but much better than we can do on the show. So that's option one. It's a pretty short one. It's all in the form of short one-page letters. Your other option is to go read the rules of St. Ignatius and Ooh. put them into practice. There's only like 14 rules, but if you learn them and practice them, it will change your life, period. So those are my two challenges. Do you have any shout-outs? I do have one shout-out, and it's an embarrassing shout-out. So when the Benedictines came down... I remember this. I shouted them all out, but well, I only you remember... shouted out one of them. Bobby and the rest, and yeah. then... His brother, was his brother? I don't even see. That's the sad thing. His brother, like, or someone, <laughs> texted me and was like, "Rip everyone else but Bobby." <laughs> and then I had I because I didn't know their names, I had that text forever in my phone just as a blank number. Yeah. I didn't know how to save save it. Sure. And then like th- few days ago, I deleted that number because I was like, I'm never gonna talk to this person again. I'm never gonna see them. And he texted me yesterday. I think he texted me yesterday. A random number texted me yesterday and said, I listened to the episode with Chris and, or he said the Tolkien episode. He's like, it was really good. I would love to actually hear more about like the family and youth ministry stuff that he was talking about. He's like, you should actually do an episode on that. And oh, I was that's like, awesome. I think this is one of the Benedictines, but I don't have this number saved and I don't know how to ask who you are without being like, I just don't know who you are totally. So maybe shout out to you. If you actually listen to more of our episodes and you find out that's not who you are, this is me asking who are you? (laughs) Yeah. Whoever texted Gordon, just shout out for listening. And I am so sorry. I'm (laughs) I'm a face person and I need to work on that because stuff like this happens. Nice trying to think i i have a couple uh we got some new listeners so wilson sorto tyler mckee and just everyone that i met at those conferences so cymc and uh steubenville shout out to all you guys there's a whole bunch of you i know a bunch of my team started listening to after the conferences so that's kind of cool so shout out to all you guys we appreciate you we love you guys and anything else nope all right you guys know where to find us hopefully so uh check the notes it's Twitter at On the Adventure Two, Facebook, it's just the Christ and Culture. Website again, thechristinculture.com. And if you want to support us on Patreon, it's the Christ in Culture. We would really appreciate any support you guys can get there. And in return, we'll give you guys some gifts and extra bonus content and stuff like that. Yeah. We, in fact, we are one minute late for our Q and A session. About to go talk to some patrons as well as you get your own episode. Yeah. That's and five other episodes that like one exists right now that you you can only get if you become a patron it's true holy cow and with that we will see you guys soon 
Thanks for joining us on the adventure. Bye. Also, you guys should go to Encounter, Texas. We can talk about that. Yeah. We haven't really done that.